hello and welcome to the bibble babes your podcast for analyzing the barbie cinematic universe i'm gabby and i'm Catherine, and we're your bibble babes on today's episode we're discussing barbie fairytopia mermaidia where we will be reunited with our king Bibble. So Barbie Mermaidia is the first sequel to be made in the BCU. It is the sequel to Barbie Fairytopia. Barbie Mermaidia premiered on Nickelodeon on March 5th, 2006 and was later released to VHS and DVD on March 14th, 2006. I previously stated that the Barbie movies had stopped being released on VHS, but I have been proven wrong. Um, I guess I just didn't release Barbie Diaries on VHS, which, uh, okay. There's, there's probably reasons for that. So the film stars the voice talents of Kelly Sheridan as Alina, Lee Talker as Bibble, and Chiara Zani as Nori. Chiara Zani also voices Dahlia in Barbie Fairytopia, Raquel in the Barbie Diaries, and later Adeline in Barbie and the Twelve Dancing Princesses. Also, another character in the movie is dandelion who is alina's best friend and she is voiced by tabitha saint germain who also voices grace the fairy in barbie princess charm school so fun fact we just we clocked that one listening we heard dandelion speak in this movie and we were like oh my god (laughs) it's her it's grace from princess charm school yes so given a little quick summary uh of this film here so after being granted wings by the enchantress in the first movie Uh, Alina, she returns to her home in the Magic Meadows, and she's going about her new life when a sea butterfly tracks her down. The sea butterfly tells Alina that Laverna and her evil minions, the fungi, have captured Prince Nalu of, like, the mermaid kingdom. Mermaidia? Mermaidia. Yeah, it's it's called Mermaidia, but it's like the the mermaid. She lives in Magic Meadows, he lives in Mermaidia, and he's the prince. And he's been kidnapped. He's in charge, and he's in trouble. Uh, he's definitely in trouble. His face has been stolen. By every male character in Magic of the Pegasus? I think so. But anyway, Prince Nalu told the sea butterfly to find Alina for help. So Alina decides to go with the sea butterfly to Crystal Cove to help rescue Nalu. Meanwhile, Nalu is being interrogated by the fungi, led by a head fungi named anticlimactically Max. <laughs> It's short for Max Maximus, but it's still sort of just so anticlimactic. It's like, ah, uh, head fungi. Max. Max. You're like, all right, no, okay. It's like having a villain named Todd, you know? Like, this is Todd, he's evil. Yeah. I don't, if I were named Todd, maybe I'd be evil. Who knows? Seems like a good motivating factor. Anyway, the fungi are interrogating Nalu to tell them the location of the immunity berry, a magical berry that makes anyone who eats it immune to all magic. The fungi threatened to poison Mermaidia if he doesn't take them to the berry. After the fungi began to poison the Crystal Cove, Nalu finally agrees to give them magic seaweed so they can breathe underwater and lead them to the berry in order to save Mermaidia. So Laverna wants the immunity berry because she wants to become basically unstoppable. Yeah, it would make her immune to all magic, present, future. And considering in the last movie she was defeated by magic, she has good reason to be afraid. So Yes. Yes. So Alina arrives at the Crystal Cove with Bibble, and they run into Nori, Nalu's gal pal, who is waiting to meet him at the cove. Alina tells Nori that Nalu has been kidnapped, and Nori insists on going to rescue Nalu herself. A pink sea turtle that Alina and Bibble have met offer them magical seaweed, because, like, 
Nori just darts off. Um, and so the pink sea turtle that Bibble was like playing around with offers them some seaweed so that they can breathe underwater and they follow Nori into the underwater kingdom of Mermadia. Okay, the pink sea turtle looks like a pink Voldemort. It's so cursed. Yeah, it's... So in the heart of Mermadia, Nori is trying to convince the fairies, which are like basically fairies with their mermaid tail, like they're both. Mm-hmm. Um, she's trying. Nori is trying to convince these fairies to tell her the location of the Oracle Delphine so that she can ask the Oracle where Nalu has been taken. The problem is, however, the fairies never take anything seriously unless you can get invited into their house to eat with them. The house is over water, and the fairies never invite anyone in. So that's a bit of a problem. But when Alina and Bibble arrive, Nori explains what's going on with the fairies, and Alina offers to help. The fairies, meanwhile, have become obsessed with how cute Bibble is and who can blame them. Period. And they keep feeding him snacks, but Bibble loves a good snack, so eventually they run out of snacks, and they ask Alina if they can invite Bibble inside to give him more treats. And Alina then convinces the fairies to invite her as well, so that Bibble will be more comfortable in their home. And Bibble and Alina go into the fairies' house, and they sit down for some snacks. And while she is there, Alina asks the fairies where they can find the oracle delphine which i did not realize as a kid that this was just like a reference to the oracle of delphi because you know i was five but i think that's a fun little reference to have in there it's very zesty incredibly Mm -hmm. zest major league zest the merfairy answers alina in riddles saying if you want to find delphine it's not hard to do talk to the fairy guide and listen well too delphine has a secret from which she will hide the shell matters not. Best heed what's inside. Alina tells this to Nori, and Nori sets off to find Shelly, the fairy guide, attempting to elu- lose Alina in a chase, but Alina keeps up by flying above water. Alina's flying skills impress Nori, and some of the ice begins to thaw between the two of them. Meanwhile, Prince Nalu has led the fungi to the Carousel of Confusion, which is like this big coral thing that like you get really confused and you forget what you're doing. So he's just kind of been leading them in circles. Lefting! Lefting! Oh my god. And eventually, however, the fungi figure this out and force him to guide them to the immunity barrier! But not after some entertaining hijinks ensue. And I hope you enjoyed my um, impression of Max, the fun guy. To the immunity barrier! Lefting! Lefting! Truly. Why do I find this so entertaining? I, I don't know. It just is. Soon the two reach the dock where Shelly, the fairy guide, is. Shelly is a giant snail who is a ferry boat for anyone crossing the cove. And so the three of them board, even though they don't need to. Alina asks Shelly if she can take them to see the Oracle Delphine, and she says she can and takes them underwater. Once at the bottom of the ocean, Shelly opens her shell, revealing a mermaid inside. Assuming the mermaid is the Oracle Delphine, Alina and Nori ask where Nalu is, but the Oracle only answers in trite advice. Sings like, a shell in one hand is better than a starfish and none. 
that's not what she says, but it's like it's like idioms that have been like oceanified. So Yes. Remembering what the Mer Fairy said about the shell not mattering, she realize she, Alina, realizes that Shelly is the Oracle Delphine. Alina then asks Shelly if she is the Oracle. Shelly says she is the Oracle, but that she cannot tell them where Nalu is. She can tell them, however, how they can find out. She's not the world's best oracle, but she is kind of helpful. That's been my helpful oracle. Together, Alina and Nori embark towards the depths of despair. Once they get there, they must swim through a cave with a strong current that is filled with treacherous vines. At first, Alina can keep up, but soon the current becomes too much for her without a tail and she can't continue. Nori says she will get the mirror by herself and sends Alina to wait at the opening of the cave. But as Nori swims deeper, the vines, which are apparently sentient, ensnare her tail and she is trapped. The vines start to pull her closer to the cave walls, threatening to trap her for forever. Desperate, she calls out to Alina for help. Alina tries to reach her but can't swim against the current. In an act of desperation, Alina uses the necklace to trade her wings for a tail and she becomes a mermaid. Now a mermaid... Alina swims to Nori, freeing her, but soon becomes ensnared herself. Nori pulls Alina from the vines, and the two of them are able to continue down the cave, eventually reaching the bottom. Once there, they enter a cavern where a fish is waiting for them with the mirror. How that fish got there, you'll never know. She just lives there. She's hanging out. There's nothing else down there, so it's like she's got no friends. I don't know. Maybe she just likes her isolation. Me too, bestie. <laughs> no. Um, the fish, apparently expert in all things mere mist, tells them that they may seek truth by looking in the mirror and tries to tempt them into not seeking Nalu by telling them that they could see the truth behind their insecurities. Nori is convinced that Nalu doesn't truly love her because he is a prince and she is a commoner. While Alina is still in disbelief that she was given wings and is worried that she isn't meant to be a winged fairy. They both insist upon seeing Nalu. He appears to be above water, but isn't drying out as he would be if he were truly above water for so long. The fish then give Nori and uh, gives Nori the the fish then gives Nori and Alina a magic bubble that will guide them part of the way to Nalu. Meanwhile, Nalu has led the fungi to a cavern of magical berries, and they have found the immunity berry. While following the bubble, a mysterious tattoo appears on Nori and Alina's arms, which honestly would be so cool. (laughs) Nori recognizes it as the Crest of Courage, a magical symbol that is bestowed on mermaids when they show true courage. They also realize that two of the pearls on Alina's necklace have turned white, meaning she only has three pearls left before she is permanently turned into a mermaid. So now Alina not only has a rainbow in her eye, but... She has the crest of courage. So she's just really got like. She is that girl. She is that girl. She is. She's not like other girls because she is that girl. <laughs> she's got the rainbow in her eye and the crest of courage. So uh, beat that fairytopia people. All the people who bullied her, beat that. She's not like other girls. So Alina, she just keeps getting like new fun things she just keeps evolving she is like a pokemon at the end of every movie she just evolves another step until she hits her final form i love it glorious you go incredibly zesty pokemon fairy 10 out of 10 we love it alina and nori follow the bubble all the way to another cave 
but this one is full of deadly thermal vents of boiling water. Nori literally is like, yeah, these can like vaporize mermaids instantly. And Alina's like, oh my god. Um, so then the bubble pops suddenly, and Alina's like, mm, maybe we go to the surface. And Nori realizes she's been here before, and that inside the cave there is an air bubble where Nalu could be. Nori has memorized the pattern of the geysers, and so Alina, Nori, and Bibble navigate the deadly geysers and enter a cavern filled with magical berries. Nori tells Alina that every berry has a unique magical ability and points out a berry that reveals one's true self if eaten and looks remarkably similar to the immunity berry. Chekhov's berry. Did we go over how the fungi have been really stupid and can't figure out which like one is which? No, you can add that here if you'd like. Okay. And so, like, throughout this, because, like, Prince Nalu brought the fungi to the berry area, which I'm also now picturing the fungi attempting to go through the deadly geysers. That is hilarious. So entertaining. I want to see that. Um, But yeah, so Max, the head fungi dude, keeps being, like, keeps talking to Laverna through this little magic mirror, pocket mirror thing that he has. And he's like, behold, the immunity berry! And he's, like, doing that a bunch of times because he's stupid and he doesn't know which one it is. Behold! Um, and when Nori tells Alina about all of these berries and the berry that reveals one's true self of Eaton, it is notable to people watching the film that that berry bears a remarkable resemblance to the immunity berry and on their way through this little berry tunnel thing bibble eats a bunch of them he eats so many berries that make him talk in various silly voices and one makes him sing the opera which by the way is in fact a real opera it is the uh queen of the night aria (laughs) it's i love that you know that we were watching this movie and Catherine just stops and she's like, that's the Queen of the Night Aria. Listen, listen, it's burned into my brain because not only is that a very, very, very popular soprano little aria moment, but that that is the goat opera. You know, Remember that YouTube video where they're like, and it was like a screaming goat? That is the opera that Bimble sings. I love that. There's one that makes me like, Hey, baby. Oh, like, like, there's one that gives, like, a really deep voice. It's so funny. And they play, like, this weird romantic music behind us. was like, hey, baby. And he's, like, flirting with the berries. This is Bibble, by the way. Imagine Bibble with a deep voice flirting with fruit. It's beautiful. Amazing. Iconic. I love this movie so much. Iconic. We love it. It's so good. Oh, my God. Yes. Love it. They also notice, as they leave the cavern, that two more pearls have turned white, meaning that Alina only has a little time left before she permanently becomes a mermaid when the last pearl of her necklace turns white. Once out of the cavern, the girls enter the air bubble cove situation, and they see the fungi guarding the captured Prince Nalu. They have Bibble distract the fungi with his beautiful operatic scene. Listen, I too would be distracted by the Queen of the Night aria. Can you imagine if you're just hanging out, you were the bodyguard to a prince you had kidnapped, and suddenly you just hear opera? I'd get distracted, too. They're so valid. Also, the fungi act almost like they have a crush on this disembodied voice. Like, they're hoping it's a pretty mermaid or something. It's Bibble, so... Bibble is iconic for that. It's so good. We love Bibble. Bibble's iconic. 
Alina and Nori put Prince Nalu down from his seaweed restraints, where he is tied up above water. Nalu is thankful, but tells them that the fungi have already found the immunity berry and are planning to take it to Laverna. So they must steal the berry back from the fungi to prevent Laverna from getting it. I don't know if we mentioned this, but this entire time, the reason why Nalu was doing this is because the fungi have this fun potion bottle thing that is just going to instantly kill everything in the water that it touches. And so they threatened him to, like, drop it into Mermadia to just kill everything in Mermadia. Like, basically just wipe out the ocean. They really said, like, we're about to pollute the heck out of this thing and kill all y'all people. Um... (laughs) The last movie was about air pollution. This one's about water pollution. Yes, yes. That's a fun little way to tie that together. Um, So yeah, part of the thing that I have to do, not only do they have to get the immunity berry back, but they have to do it in a way that doesn't mean crazy disaster for Mermidia. And also, at the same time, Bibble's magic berry wears off. And so the Queen of the the Night Aria stops it's tragical, but his our king's voice returns and he's himself once more. And the fungi are no longer distracted and they realize that Prince Nalu has been freed. Alina, Nori, Bibble, and Nalu fight the fungi for the berry. And eventually Alina manages to grab a hold of it, leaping out of the water with the berry in hand and sitting on a ledge above a waterfall just before the last pearl of her necklace turns to white. But just when she thinks they've won, when they have defeated the fungi, Max shows up with a bottle of the poison, and he tells Alina that she can either give him the immunity berry, or he will poison Mermadia. So Alina gives him the immunity berry to save Mermadia, but Max drops the poison anyway. Alina leaps after the bottle, catching it midair before it can spill into the ocean and corks it just in time. However, just as she hits the water, the last pearl turns white and Alina is permanently turned into a mermaid. Nalu thanks her for saving Mermadia from poison, but fears that all is still lost now that Laverna has the immunity berry. Alina and Nori reveal that they swapped the immunity berry for the reveal one's true self berry, so Max now has a fake because... Alina and Nori are just, they're 10 steps ahead above of everybody at all times. And it is amazing and it is beautiful and it is wonderful. Love it. And they're also like looking at the same time comforting Alina because she, homegirl's distraught. She's like, woo, we saved Mermidia. I am forever more stuck away from my home and my like friends in the Magic Meadow. Homegirl's distraught. Yeah. Because she can never return home. And also Bibble can't stay underwater forever. <laughs> Because the magic seaweed, it'll soon wear off. He'll build build up an immunity to the seaweed and won't be able to breathe underwater anymore. So he'll have to leave her. Bibble will have to leave Alina. They're besties for life. Criminal. She's really upset. But then, yeah, it's tragic. But then Nori has the idea for Alina to eat a reveal one's true self berry. And Alina transforms into a beautiful fairy once more with an awesome new outfit and a wing upgrade. And she has a new tattoo. She looks so slay. It is probably like so slay. I know we love dresses on this podcast, but like in terms of just whole fit, like just the whole fit coming together, her fit is incredible. I love it. It's it's the best. It's so good. It's hot pink now. The first movie outfit is also great, but I would say this one's even better. I love it so much. Like the it's my favorite outfit 
Alina wears. And her wings are just beautiful because they're like these full hot pink butterfly wings. I love it. It's so good because as much as like she blends in with the magic meta, like she looks like she's plucked from a flower in the first film with that outfit. This one is just incredible because Mm -hmm. she like, it's like her full self is realized in this outfit. Like she just... Mm -hmm. She's iconic. She is yeah. she's the icon. She is the moment. And the outfit is showing that. And also her wings are the same pattern as the very end fin of her tail. Total slay. I I in fact had the Barbie where you could pull the plastic leg section of the mermaid tail off and it would make the bottom fin part open wide as her wings and the iconic, amazing. Glorious Barbie, probably the favorite one that I had. Now that they've saved Mermaidia and have stopped Laverna, uh, and Alina has become a beautiful fairy once more, Nalu finally reveals to Nori that he loves her. Do you, I'm pretty sure like Alina basically is like, no, this stupid man needs to confess his feelings, and like she like gives him like a bombastic side eye, and is like, come on now, come on now, and that's how nori and nalu get together this entire time nori has been like super paranoid that her affection towards nalu is one-sided and that he doesn't actually love her and to him this isn't serious and she's just like a temporary fling and he doesn't love her at all like a commoner plaything. she's she feels threatened by alina so after some bombastic side eye nalu finally gets his stuff together <laughs> good so she's not only has Alina saved Mermadia, saved Fairytopia, saved herself by becoming like her true self and stopped Laverne and everything, she has also saved a relationship. She truly does it all. She does it all. She does it all. We love her. So, meanwhile, Max and the fungi deliver what they think is the immunity berry to Laverna, and then she eats it. And it's the reveal on true self, Barry. So she transforms into a toad. And she asks, how could this have happened? And they reveal that Alina was involved. And Laverna vows her revenge, conveniently setting up for the next movie. I'm like, gl- it's so fun that they did a little sequel here. Like, I, I love that they did that. This, so this is, so the Barbie Fairytopia could have its own cinematic universe because it has the original trilogy and then it has a spin-off of Barbie Mariposa. So exciting stuff happening in the fairy realm. We love it. One of the things I love most about this film and why it's one of my favorites is like the plot holds up. Like this is a solid fantasy plot. It makes sense. It's coherent. Gabby's about to turn it into a D&D campaign. Like this plot is plotting. I am. <laughs> This plot is amazing. It holds up. It is just as entertaining now to me as a 22-year-old as it was to me a six-year-old because it just holds up. And the world building is amazing. I want to visit Mermaidia. One of the I read a lot of mermaid fiction, and one of the qualms I have of a lot of mermaid fiction is that the world building is oftentimes super weak. And for some reason, with a lot of recent YA mermaid literature. They always make it, like, really edgy and dark, and that's just lame. This is fun mermaid world building. This is a fun, magical underwater kingdom that I love. There's beautiful coral everywhere. There's sea turtles and dolphins and all of this magical stuff. I love that they made up different, like, species with the merfairies and the sea butterflies and how it just makes sense cohesively with the world building. Like, 
one of the best things about this is that it is such a sandbox, which I think benefits it as a story because you have this magical world to play around with and imagine all these different scenarios with, but also is really great for a children's toy specifically because when you're playing if you're Alina and you're Nori at all you have all of these magical adventures you can make up because you have such a rich and wonderful world to explore and I just love that so much love this film my favorite it's just it's it's colorful it I love that instead of like you know being enemies throughout the entire thing like nori and alina actually realize they're more alike than they are different and they girl boss together yeah um also i love nori favorite character she's great i love how selflessness is portrayed as heroism in this film Mm -hmm. with alina potentially being a mermaid forever when she saves all of mermaidia because i feel like a lot in times in a lot of media sometimes selflessness as heroism gets twisted in a way where it's it's not quite actually selflessness you know it's not yeah it's not quite selflessness and it's not quite heroism but this one i think it does a really good job i think what i love so much about alina in general and particularly in this particularly in this movie is pulling off of like selflessness she is a hero because she is kind and friendly like she's not a heroine because she fights people really well or is the smartest like she is just like continually kind and that's what makes her great i love that because that is so lacking in a bunch of our stories i really love how in this movie in particular there's so much a focus on working together and teamwork and collaboration like alina and nori truly needed each other to go on this journey and do all of these things and in the end they needed nalu too and bibble this is truly a story about teamwork about working together about listening to each other's ideas and being open to new ways of doing things and just a lot of characteristics that are often very overlooked in fantasy and in we can say it they're very traditionally feminine characteristics and so often that is because of like femininity is excluded from fantasy very often those characteristics are then excluded from fantasy yeah. and if they are it's as you know the helper person or the main character's mother or something like that and never the actual main character hero and here it is Alina and Nori are heroes not because they're super strong or they have super awesome magic or they're super good at fighting or they're the smartest people ever. They are heroes because they are kind. They are compassionate. They are willing to work together. They are heroes who use these feminine aspects to achieve that heroism. And we don't see that a lot. And I just think it's great. When they help each other through, get through the depths of despair. When, you know, they help each other with like, the relationships return like you know being her true self when just all of it like they are just true to themselves and kind to one another and what better messages can be put into a film for little kids i also really enjoy nori's arc as a character because in the beginning she is not nice to alina she is like they're against each other but they learn to respect alina isn't against nori alia Alina is open to being Nori's friend from the get-go, but Nori is a lot more resistant to that. And I think we see that a lot in media where, like, it's girl versus girl, you know? Like, only one of them can be the hero. The other one has to be a villain. But in this story, instead of having that happen, 
Nori and Alina become best friends at the end and they learn to work together and respect each other and all of this amazing stuff. And I just think that's so great to see. This is a movie about friendship, not animosity. And I think it's like a little real, like it's funny to say Barbie fairy Topia Mermaid is realistic, but I think it's realistic in the way that like not every person you interact with is going to want to help you. And sometimes it might seem like they're against you or they're competing with you. But in the, you know, in the end, these two were more alike than they were different. And so like, like that works out. Like I love that her arc makes things more realistic and shows like the power of alina's kindness over and over again like she never gives up on nori and never is like you know well forget this person she's so rude to me like or whatever she she's on top of it i love alina she's a fantastic hero protagonist she might be my favorite protagonist of the bcu so far maybe permanently depend when we get through the rest of this i'll keep you i'll keep you posted but she's probably my favorite 12 Dancing Princesses is next. So. Yeah, I might be a little biased for that one, just as a fair warning. Yeah, I just think it's a great story. It's great to teach kids. Friendship is awesome. Teamwork is great. Teamwork makes the dream work. Also, I appreciate how Bibble is useful, unlike some sidekicks we know. No, but we have to hit on this. We have to hit on this. He literally, like, when he's distracting the fungi with his beautiful aria, when he is, like, helping Alina get in with the uh, fairies, like, he, he is just consistently, like, he's the third person in the quest. You don't always mm-hmm. get to acknowledge it because he doesn't get to speak in a way that we understand, Unless he's singing the Queen of the Night Aria. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but he he eats. Like, a lot of times they'll, sh- like, cut in Barbie films to show, like, oh, here what the animal sidekicks are doing while all the other stuff is happening. He No, he's in it, and he's in the game, and he's playing. Yes. He's there. He's helpful. He's integral. We love our Bibble. He's so, he's so good. We love him. So I think we pretty much already hit on the morals of this film and why it is great in that aspect. But let's talk outfits. How would you rate Alina's looks in the BCU? How would you rank them? (sighs) On a scale of 1 to 10. Give me a ranking. I think it's going to have to be a 9.5. Yeah. I love her outfit. Even her shoes are incredible because like she has unlike a lot of the princesses who, of course, have long dresses. She's got this cute little short fairy skirt thing and you get to see the beautiful shoes that she has. And maybe I'll maybe I'll even give it like a 9.8. I don't, I really love this outfit. And like as someone who has already admitted that my favorite BC movie from childhood is Barbie and the Twelve Dancing Princesses. I love all of those dresses. A blue dress from Barbie and the Twelve Dancing Princesses myself. But I would be the first person to admit, like, they don't, they aren't breathtaking. They aren't something that makes you like, you know, oh my God, wow, the dresses. I mean, they're all 12 meant to look like one another. But Alina, like I said, her outfit just shows her. Like, it shows, like, she, like you said, she's like a Pokemon and she's evolved to the next stage. And the next stage looks so freaking cool. Like, she just looks powerful, beautiful, capable confident 10 out of 10 
I love this look. It is great. I love her wings. I love how it's hot pink. I just love it. So good. I like her new tattoo. It's pretty cool. I would rank this as a 10. I'm a big fan. Uh, do we want to rank Nori's look? Y- yeah. Yeah, let's rank Nori. I think what is so interesting about it, I don't know if like you are more into fashion than I am, but this is to me like the first time, like her look, I remember, I don't know if I'm like thinking back to when I was a kid and I still have that same brain thought when I look at her, but I always thought she looked so edgy in a fun way. Yeah. And this is like the first mm-hmm. time I think we've really seen a Barbie character look kind of fun, edgy. Mm-hmm. I think it's the choker, the studded starfish choker that gives that edgy vibe. The blue hair. The blue hair. I love Nori so much. She is one of my favorite characters in the BCU. She's great. She's awesome. I always wanted her doll, but I never had her doll. I had a different mermaid doll from the first movie, so I never got a Nori doll. It was just a generic mermaid that they released for Fairytopia. But I generally, I know her outfit is essentially just a tutu and her bodice, but I love it. I mean, her tail slays. And her tail. Her tail is really cool, too. Yeah, she's be- I mean, I'm I'm biased with like the power up that Alina has mm-hmm. and the fact that I had the Barbie that would go back and forth between the mermaid and the fairy. Yeah. And like that, so I'm like biased to preferring hers, but Nori's is literally killer. Like I love her outfit. I think I'd give Nori a solid nine because I love her outfit. It's great. Fantasy edgy. It is not as memorable as Alina's, but it is up there. It's awesome. And I love her blue hair. And her makeup and her choker, it's also fun. I mean, she's a she's literally in a Barbie movie with blue hair, a choker, and a tattoo. Yes. No choice but to stand. Yes. Love Nori so much. Okay, so where do we rank this movie on a scale of 1 to 10? I, I think I'm going to have to give this one like an 8.5. Explain. Maybe a 9. Yeah. I'm going to give it an 8.7, and if I don't like the following BCU films, like, if you just hear the following episodes, and I'm like, actually, everything but Barbie and the 12 Dancing Princesses was poopy, <laughs> like, um, then you can be like, okay, she actually meant 9. But as of now, I'm going to sit with a safe 8.75. I give this one a 10. I am biased, because this is my favorite movie in the BCU, but I just love everything about it. I love the plot. I love the characters. I love their outfits. I love the messages that it sends. I love Bibble. I give this movie a 10 out of 10. It is a must watch. This has been your Bibble Babes discussing the good, the bad, and the Barbie. Join us next time where we will be discussing Barbie and the 12 Dancing Princesses, my favorite film in the BCU. Also, be sure to check out our Instagram account at the Bibble Babes for the latest on all things Bibble Babes. Our Instagram is the place to learn about special episode announcements, suggest content or your very own hot takes to the Bibble Babes, and interact with all things Barbie. We post a new episode every other Friday. If you're new here, be sure to like and subscribe. And as always, spread kindness like glitter. Bye.